Welcome to Scary Savannah and Beyond. This is going to be episode number Thanksgiving. I put 54 on there, but I put the wrong number. It should be Thanksgiving. You're right. You totally <laughs> failed. All your efforts this week were for naught, and uh, I'm a little ashamed of you, to be honest. You should be. It turns out you know nothing about running a podcast, I mean, scripting. You changed our song on me, and it just threw me all off. Well, I had to reset everything. You know how I am. I just mess everything up, and then I have to hit the master reset and start over and destroy it from a new angle. Yeah, you just can't help yourself from pushing all the buttons and switching all the knobs and... Who knows what you're doing over there? I try not to fiddle with stuff at this moment. I've got everything set to the default. So we're <laughs> going to see how this turns out and hopefully it's going to be great. And if it's not, then um, I'll switch knobs again and maybe let the dogs in here because they're clearly outside trying to kill Oscar. Yeah, sounds like Oscar's here. So, Crystal, how are you doing this week? I'm cold. Okay. Well, thanks for tuning in to Scary <laughs> Savannah and Beyond. This basically sums up the entirety of our relationship. Well, we had a cold front move in, and I wasn't mentally prepared for it yet. Yeah, you're usually not good for the cold until about February 29th. Yeah, <laughs> that's the only time I'll accept it's it. It's the only day of the year that she'll accept the cold of you the know, winter. It's been, you know, in the 70s forever, and I went outside the other day to go to work, and I was... Yeah, and by the other day, you mean yesterday. Well, no, the first one was a few days ago that shocked me. It could have been me. yesterday, though, because yeah. yesterday was so well, much well, warmer. It was on the first day that I did it because I wasn't expecting it. And I went outside and I was wearing shorts and a T-shirt and sandals as usual. Like you're supposed to wear at I the know, beach. I know, and I turned right around and came inside and looked for my parka, only to discover I don't have a parka. I've never owned a parka. <laughs> Had to settle for a sweatshirt. Hmm. Maybe you should get me a parka for Christmas. A parka. Mm-hmm. You would be cute in a parka. I would be. So Thanksgiving and Christmas are fast approaching. And we, well, I made the decision to change a tradition that we've had for 25 years. I, You're okay with it. I'll tell you what. I'm getting not nearly enough adoration from you with the easygoing way that I'm letting this all happen, the way you've destroyed Well, I made the executive decision, and you just have to, all y'all can do is complain about it after the fact. But you're not showing any kind of, like, feelings towards me that I am so easily just letting you do whatever it is you want without any kind of pushback. Well, what are you going to do? Nothing, really, (laughs) but I mean, it's like, it seems like you should at least, you know, rub my feet or something. Mm, So, no. (laughs) Did uh, you want to tell them what we're doing? About the change in our holidays yes. that we've done forever. Yes. And then all of a sudden this year, you've threatened this for uh-huh. decades. Uh-huh. For decades. And I'm not exaggerating when I say for decades. But we are for the first time as a family having an artificial Christmas tree. It is. And not only is it artificial, it's white. Solid white. Solid white. Uh, I've got a picture you're going to post Look it. at that. Look how <laughs> white that tree is. Look at the lack of realism. Well, I'll get like a air freshener that smells like pine and you'll be fine. <laughs> you're not even going to get like the things they sell at the Christmas stores no, to hang you things. You're air. literally going to get like a, a, a pine tree air freshener yeah. and hang on it. Yeah. That'll be great. So I figured I'd just go ahead and buy it, put it up, and then everyone can complain individually. But by then it's too late because I've already bought it. Exactly. And now that our oldest daughter has her own house, if she really wants a real Christmas tree, she can buy one of her own. Yeah, they are for sure. So she's seen it. I sent her a picture of it and she hasn't responded yet. 
She's probably trying to recover. <laughs> and they're from trying to scold, you don't script under- the perfect comeback for it. What you don't understand about our family is, is we've been very sticking to traditions yeah, for you're years. You're all traditionalists, but We're me. We're all traditionalists. And the kids, I don't care. I even turn them into monsters. They're even more about tradition than I am because. When we finally moved to Georgia, I was able to let stuff go over the years. I was able to make that move to the point where I don't care about anything in life anymore. (laughs) I've literally moved on from caring, but they have not. No. I sent a picture to Ethan and he said, it looks nice. I think I like it better than green. So that went over well. Yeah. He's always been pretty easy to go along with. Yeah, I don't know what Kirsten and Elijah will think. They've probably disowned us both. Probably. So besides Halloween, Christmas is my favorite time of year, despite the cold. I love having the house decorated, and I always threaten to scale down the decorations, but that never seems you to happen. You say it every year. I know. I do it every time. You're even into all these organization videos and stuff and decluttering and folding shirts a certain way. And well, I then do do that. When but... it comes down to it, we're going to end up with more decorations this Christmas than we have ever Probably, had. but they're going to be organized. See, I already organized all of my Halloween stuff. I bought nice containers and put them all in it. Yeah. They're all in one spot. And so I only kept the things that I actually put out. So everything that's in those boxes will be used. I honestly think that the reason you decorated for Halloween and the reason you want to decorate for Christmas is not because you want to decorate. You just want to buy more of those totes so you can organize things and pack up stuff <laughs> and put them in nice, neat storage. It is satisfying. For you, it is very satisfying. It's well, like you don't one have to of do the, anything but carry on down the stairs. <laughs> I'm not complaining. I'm just saying this is one of the things that brings you joy. The yeah. stuff that would like make me want to go drive into oncoming traffic is one of the things you enjoy doing. I did underestimate the time it was going to take to fluff that tree. You have to do every single individual little branch. At least they gave you gloves. I didn't even wear them. (laughs) I should have probably. Man, that's probably why you're going to get some horrible disease Uh, and infection. It didn't hurt hurt my hands. But before we dive too deep into Christmas, there's Thanksgiving. And this year, we're going to go to our daughter Kylie's house. She and her fiance bought their first house earlier this year, and she wants to do Thanksgiving. And I like any chance to avoid a mess at my house. So that's the plan this year. Yeah, the funny part is, is apparently she invited us over and she also invited us to bring the turkey. Yeah. Pre-cooked. Yeah. So I'm like, how am I going to pick a pre-cooked turkey? I don't have anything. We always fry the turkey. Yeah, we do a deep fried turkey. And that's going to make things just very We'll just take the deep fryer because it's electric and... We we'll just, just do it at her house because it, it doesn't there. take that long to fry no, turkey and that thing. It just takes a while for the oil to heat, to up, heat up and yeah. to cool down if we're going to you know, return with it. Oh, that's true. Well, we could get it later. So let's talk a little bit about some fun Thanksgiving facts. And then you can tell us how everything we learned in school about the first Thanksgiving was all a big lie. Horrible disaster is what they call it in the real history books. You know how everyone says that the Wednesday before Thanksgiving is the most popular travel day of the year? No, I know. I tell you, I tell you, every time I talk to somebody, the first thing they say right before they say the second thing is, you know what the most populous day of travel is in the entire nation? When? And did you know it's a Wednesday? When? And then they say it's Wednesday, March 26th. And I'm like, no, no, it's the Wednesday before Thanksgiving. Well, that's also a lie. 
it's not even close to being the busiest day. Well, see, this is because I'm trying to teach them the way that school taught us about Thanksgiving. They taught us in about that travel they days. They told us falsehoods and lies. It turns out nobody wore buckles on their hats. I know. What right? is the deal? That's what I always thought. Yes, why we dressed like that as kids. The busiest travel day is usually a Friday in June, July, or August, or whenever it is we're flying to Vegas. It apparently. could be February 3rd, <laughs> and that would be the most populous airport situation that you I know, could when we talked want. about going to Vegas in November, you're like, oh, we can't go that week of Thanksgiving. It'll be the worst. And I'm like, I don't think that's They're true. They're all the worst. It's not true. Going to Vegas when we're going. Another lie we are fed every fourth Thursday in November is that tryptophan in Turkey is the reason we all want to nap while watching football after the big meal. Tryptophan is an amino acid that triggers production of melatonin in our brains and makes us sleepy. However, the level of tryptophan found in Turkey is less than the amount we find in a chicken breast or even cheese. Mm. It's likely the reason we experience the shared lethargy is the huge excess of calories we consume and the exhaustion from all the prep that goes into the event. It's Do you think it's the calories or the carbs? Yeah, combined with carbs. Because carbs and calories aren't the same thing, right? They're not. Because I could eat a thousand calories of rice cakes and it probably wouldn't have the same effect on me as a thousand. That's just carbs, isn't it? Rice cakes? Rice cakes. <laughs> okay, well, never mind. I don't know what I'm talking about. It's estimated that we consume, on average, 4,500 calories on Thanksgiving, and a lot of that is carbs. And you Potatoes. eat that many calories in, like, two weeks. Yeah, I would never... I can't imagine. Maybe. Even if I wanted to eat whatever on Thanksgiving, I don't think I could possibly eat 4,500 calories. I could eat 4,500 calories of the macaroni and cheese along. That's probably really high in carbs. I'm sure it is. <laughs> and tasty goodness. It is really good. While we're talking turkey, did you know that female turkeys don't gobble? I was not aware of this fact. Only male turkeys do, and they gobble so loudly that they can be heard up to a mile away. Wow, that is a very loud gobble. Females and males do cackle, purr, and yelp, depending on the situation. <laughs> turkeys purr? I've never heard one purr, but I'd really like to. I've seen a turkey in the wild before. They're humongous. Are I had they? no idea how big they really are. Turkey is a funny name for an animal. Did you know that the bird is actually named after the country of Turkey? No, I was not aware. When the Ottoman Empire was a whole thing, they had birds that closely resembled what we know as turkeys. The birds they had were referred to as turkey hens because they came from Turkey. Here Whatever. in America, they found this similar bird and rather than thinking up a new name, they just sent them over to Europe for consumption and called them turkeys because who can tell the difference? Yeah, I can just see back then they got some guy in the shipping department at the Bird Central <laughs> Warehouse where they're shipping stuff out. What are these things? Uh, turkeys. Yeah, these are these are turkeys. They don't look anything like turkey hens. Well, these stupid people won't tell the difference. <laughs> some people like the name turkey so much that we have four towns in the United States named turkey. Are any of them in Georgia? Final year about to find out. There's one in Arizona, Texas, Louisiana, and North Carolina. Ah, uh, we were close. How close were we to Turkey? I don't know. We've never visited or driven through there. Never that I'm even heard of I've it. never heard of it. So we clearly missed an opportunity to see something cool while we were there. It, we did. We didn't go there. We didn't even go see the land of Oz when we lived up near where it we was. We didn't know any of this. 
In the U.S., we will consume over 47 million turkeys on Thanksgiving. I didn't realize we were that hungry. <laughs> we are. I'd think it'd take us like a week just to eat one, but you're saying we're going to eat 47 million? As a collective oh. nation. Well, I guess that does make a slight bit more sense. If you have any questions on how to properly prepare your bird, you're in luck. Butterball has a turkey hotline <laughs> known as the Turkey Talk Line. Every November and December, and they answer over 100,000 questions each year. I, I wonder how many of those calls are about, what oil temperature should I have? And should this apron be on fire? Yeah. I think this would be a fun job for you. I think you could really give some people <laughs> some interesting tips no, on cooking. This would be a great job for my father. Oh, yeah. If you recall his cooking <laughs> prowess on Thanksgiving, oh. was it not one, but two separate Thanksgivings, he set something on fire. I think he did. <laughs> something exploded I hope he's one time, to didn't this. it? Didn't something explode? Oh yeah, yeah. He blew up something too. He like had the uh, <laughs> some like, glass, like a glass plate sitting yeah. on a burner that was still hot, and nobody realized it. And then all of a sudden, there was an explosion in the room because thank goodness it no one was in there. Overheated and mm -hmm. sent shards everywhere. My dad's the coolest. Do you know which state produces the most turkeys? I'm not going to even venture a guess. Well, it's not Idaho. That was not going to be my guess. <laughs> it's Minnesota. In 2021, they raised 40,500,000 turkeys. That's a lot of birds. However, North Carolina produced the most pounds of turkey with a total of 1,167,000,000 pounds of turkey. That's some so, southern boys down Yeah, they're there. fatter down in North Carolina. I know, they, look, they give them some Bud Light and they smoke some Marlboro Reds <laughs> while they're watching the NASCAR race. It's rumored that Benjamin Franklin was so fond of turkeys that he proposed replacing the bald eagle as our national bird with the turkey. I had heard this before. In a letter written to his daughter, he mused that the bald eagle is a bird of bad moral character. <laughs> he does not get his living honestly. He is too lazy to fish for himself. While the turkey is a much more respectable bird. I guess he saw how the nation was going to be going, and maybe they said, we're going to stick with the bald eagle. Can you eagle. imagine if a turkey was our national bird? That I would be kind of cool. cool. Yeah, that you would know, be kind of cool. And then we wouldn't have all these teams like the Philadelphia Eagles and such. We'd have like Philadelphia the, uh, turkeys. the, the uh, Tuscahoma turkey. <laughs> I mean, the whole outcome of the entire United States of America could have changed if we didn't have that bird as our could national have. bird. Did you know that we have turkey to thank for TV dinners? The original TV dinner was a result of a little Thanksgiving miscalculation. Oh, how so? Way back in 1953 at the Swanson Company, an executive made a mistake when planning for Thanksgiving sales. The company ended up having just a few extra birds in the freezer, about 260 tons. I can see how that went. Yeah, no problem, right? Girl, wow, we got 260 <laughs> tons of turkeys. I told you to order 26,000 pounds of turkey. Well, I don't know, but I think we can do something with this. How do you make that big of a mistake? Think about 260 tons. How many birds is well, that? Well, this is 1953, Crystal. It's not like these people were working in the office. You know, we've seen Mad Men, which I know <laughs> yeah. comes after it. Yeah. But just think it was probably even more degenerate before And they that. were drinking on the job. Because so. every <laughs> single office had a drink cart. Yeah, in it. had a bar cart. And literally, cart. as everyone walks into any office for any reason, the first thing they do is walk over and start mixing a drink. <laughs> 
It sounds like he forgot to carry the one or something, I'm guessing. That's important. Well, luckily, Swanson has themselves a salesman named Jerry Thomas, who saw this as an opportunity. He was inspired by the little individualized trays that they used on airplanes back then and suggested they divide the turkey along with other leftover sides and package them and sell them to Grateful Housewives all over the country. And boom, TV dinners became a thing. Green beans, gravy. What are we making the gravy out of? Well, we got some pig snouts left over. Oh, from, gosh. We'll just shoot some up and ain't nobody going to tell the difference. Speaking of leftovers, did you know that 81% of Americans prefer leftovers the next day rather than the meal that you slaved over all day? I do. I think everything you cook gets better <laughs> as it ages. And it's not saying it's not great when it comes out. It's just like something magical. It's like the way the kids want to drink your drink when you make it. The longer it sits there, it it ages and it ferments in such a beautiful bouquet of scents. Like the way my iced coffee bouquets after two days sitting on my oh, desk and gosh. then I grab the wrong cup and drink out of it. Ew. Your cooking's a lot better than that, of course. So everybody loves leftovers unless those leftovers include tofu. Who eats tofu for Thanksgiving? That's what I'm saying. Tofu is the most hated side dish. Who's ever even That's what offered I'm saying. tofu? I've never heard of anyone, I guess, people that don't Can eat meat. Can you imagine somebody in the South <laughs> no. coming up to you? Well, first thing, I'm going to have to let you down a little easy. We don't have any mashed taters, but oh, we do have gosh. tofu. Now, this is might going to alarm you a little bit, but we are out of sweet tea. Mm-mm. And then you're all from unsweet tea. Oh, gosh. We're weird because we do drink unsweet tea, but most people, that's just crazy talk. In the South, if you ain't got sweet tea, and we're not talking about like, because yeah, one a, time I went to Houston, Texas, uh-huh. and I asked them for sweet tea. And their idea of sweet tea is to give you an iced tea with two packets of Slinda sugar. or something. The way we make iced tea when we drink it is, is you, you make it when you're mixing it, yeah. and you put a cup of sugar in it. At least a cup it. of sugar in at it. At least. I think at one time we were doing like... One and a half, maybe even two cups. Yeah. Some sides that people do like are cranberries. I know that you prefer the can-shaped variety. Yes. But long before we turned it into a gelatinous goo and crammed it into a can, Native Americans used cranberries in a variety of ways. Besides a food source, they use them to heal wounds and dye fabric. So not only are they tasty, you can make a cool red sweatshirt to cheer on the bulldogs. Yeah, except the cranberries I eat. Or more sugar than cranberry, I think, in the can. Well, yeah, just add a bunch of sugar to it. Just them. smear it on the shirt. Just like <laughs> pop the can open. I could be eating out of it. Smearing it right Yeah, off. see, it doubles as a napkin. It's, it's like it's three it things rolled into one. Another Thanksgiving staple is, of course, pumpkin pie. The residents of Colchester, Connecticut, are so fond of the dessert that they once shifted the celebration of Thanksgiving back a full week because there was a molasses shortage and they needed the molasses in order to make the pies. You can't have a proper Thanksgiving dinner without pumpkin pie. We never have pumpkin pie. We always have pecan pie. Yeah, we do. It's almost always pecan pie, if we even it's have both. pie. Well, we don't eat it. Well, I don't eat it, but I do get it from other people. You get kids. it in the thought that the kids will eat it and, and then, then no they one, never eat no it. No one actually eats it. I think I throw it away mostly. I like it. I, I like it. it, but I'm not going to eat it most likely. Just think about those people who didn't have molasses back in the day I know, and just bad. realize how good you got it. <laughs> I can just throw it all as much of it I in the trash as I want. <laughs> molasses away. I don't care. To have a proper Thanksgiving meal and bring out that cranberry flavor, you need to pair it with alcohol. 
According to the Alcohol Delivery Service, Drizzly, most people, which is about 50% of households, prefer red wine. I do like red wine. I do too. Only 10% ordered white wine. White wine is weird. And I assume the other 40% are drinking Trulies or Natty Lights. That is probably the case. No Thanksgiving meal is complete until you break the turkey wishbone. I don't think I've ever done that before. Really? Our kids have done it since oh, we've done I've this. I've done that. I think our tradition is trying to make sure we got all the guts and stuff out of it, like the little plastic thing that oh, they stick yeah. up in the body cavity that sort of sticks there and you really have to yank at it. Yeah. Have you ever um, put one in uh, vinegar and let it get like all rubbery? No, but I did that with a chicken bone in school one time. They said if you did that. And then there was that other experiment where if you put like salt and pepper and water and put uh, soap in it, it'll make it move away. Okay. That's the two science experiments I remember from school, which is why I'm such a clever and educated man today and a leading mind in turkey science. We'll find out. So, the tradition of breaking a wishbone goes back to ancient times. The Etruscans would take the wishbones, also known as the furcula, from chickens, draw them out in the sun, and use them to predict the future somehow. They would also carry them around as good luck charms. Hey, I can predict the future. You about to get hit in the head with old turkey bone. I don't know what the hell they did it. Good luck charms. Some turkeys never have their wishbone snapped, however, thanks to presidential pardons. Although Harry Truman is often credited with being the first president to pardon a turkey, that's not quite true. He was the first to receive a ceremonial turkey from the National Turkey Federation, (laughs) and he had it for dinner. Oh, no. John F. Kennedy was the first to let a Thanksgiving turkey go, followed by Richard Nixon, who sent his turkey to a petting zoo. George H.W. Bush is the president who formalized the turkey pardoning tradition in 1989. So what they do have like uh, a wall of turkeys and he walks out and he's like, you no, shall look, be look saved. Look at the picture. You can tell. Okay, how- let me pop the picture. up. Oh, this is even better than I imagined. So this is 1989. And following this tradition, the first official turkey pardon was granted. This is funny. Looking at the picture, it, when I first saw it, I thought that kid was shaking hands with a turkey, like it's some sort of photo op. <laughs> Does it not sort of look like the turkey shaking the kid's hand? With animal rights activists standing nearby, the president quipped that, quote, this fine Tom turkey will not end up on anyone's dinner table. Not this guy. He's granted a presidential pardon as of right now, end quote. But I have a feeling as soon as those ladies walked away, he may have ended up on the dinner table that night. Martha, get my axe. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know why. Is it Martha Bush? (laughs) Barbara. Barbara. Maybe Martha was their Uh, kitchen chef. Okay. So, after you've had your 4,500 calories, your gelatinous cranberries, and cracked the wishbone, what do you do? Go spelunking. What? I just felt like the right thing to say. Although this is supposed to be a time reserved for reflecting on all the things we are to be thankful for, 60% of Americans say they would rather do anything else than think or have meaningful conversations with their families. Most report that they are stressed. So we distract ourselves with smartphones or other traditions such as watching football. Yeah, I always remember the football game was always on and it was always the Dallas Cowboys and the Detroit Lions. Not necessarily playing each other, but they're always playing on Thanksgiving. Well, we'll see about that. Well, as far as I remember. 
The tradition of football on Thanksgiving began in 1876 with a game between Yale and Princeton, with Yale winning that game. The first NFL Thanksgiving game was played in 1934. There have been games before that, but the Lions started this tradition as we know it. What I tell you. The Detroit Lions Thanksgiving record includes 37 wins, and this is the most of any team. I don't ever remember seeing them win on Thanksgiving. They were pretty bad when I watched (laughs) football. The Lions, Cowboys, Bears, and Packers had the most Thanksgiving appearances. The Detroit Lions records show that they have missed only six seasons since then. That is a lot of Thanksgiving games. It is. The Dallas Cowboys started playing NFL games on Thanksgiving in 1966. Since then, they've missed hosting only two NFL Thanksgiving games. That's a tradition. They usually wear those old throwback uniforms, too. The Jacksonville Jaguars are the only team that has not played NFL football on Thanksgiving. I didn't know that. I knew the Panthers had because I remember seeing a game on Thanksgiving, but that's an interesting statistic. I wonder why they haven't been able to. And another interesting fact is the Jacksonville Jaguars are geographically the closest NFL football team to Savannah, Georgia. They're even closer than Atlanta, Georgia. Each year since 1989, the MVP receives a turkey leg as an award. That sounds this. like a John Madden it kind is. of thing. The legendary John Madden started this tradition. In 1990, after he wished there were six legs to give out, the six-legged turkey was invented for multiple winners. Oh, you, you, you know, sometimes when the, the winners come up, they get the football and they want to win. There's a turkey. That's how you score touchdowns. For the first time in many years, there was no college football on Thanksgiving in 2020. I can imagine why. Yeah. I don't know if there was NFL. It said college. I think the schools were shut down due to the Epidemic. The pandemic, yeah, but I don't know about if there was an NFL one. I don't, I don't think remember. there was. I think that was back when, you know, they didn't let people sit in the actual yeah. stands and they had cardboard cutouts of fans. <laughs> this year, you can watch the Buffalo Bills play the Detroit Lions. The New York Giants will be playing the Cowboys. And the New England Patriots will be playing the Minnesota Vikings. So which one would you like to nap to this year? It's it's quite a slate of games, yeah. And uh, I sort of like the colors of the yeah. We we pick the pretty colors ones. Yeah, we both know sports. I mean, we watch sports and we know that. But we like uniforms too. Uh, But out of this uh, group of teams, I mean, I hate the Patriots. Just I always have, and um, I hate the Cowboys. So I probably alienated about seventy five percent of our fan base right now. So uh, I'm going to go with the Buffalo Bills. Okay, Buffalo Bills, it is. Another huge Thanksgiving draw, but not in your case, because we all know how you feel about this subject, is the Macy's Thanksgiving Parade. Ah, just shoot me in the face right now, (laughs) even turning it on the TV. Approximately 50 million Americans tune in to the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade each year. But why? Exactly why, people. Let us know why. Another three and a half million people go and see it in person. With roughly 10,000 people participating in it. I can't imagine how horrible that must be to be in person. It would be like one of my nightmares. People start staking their claims along the streets around 6.30 a.m. for a parade that starts at 9 a.m. First of all, you're never going to find me awake at 6.30 a.m. And you definitely won't find me on a parade route in New York. I thought you were going to say, first of all, you won't find me awake at 6.30 a.m. And you definitely won't find me awake at 9 a.m. <laughs> well, and... I will be awake at 9 if I have to go to work. <laughs> Tomorrow I will be, unfortunately. Mm. 
This holiday tradition dates back to 1924 and has been televised since 1953. Once again, I have to ask the question, why? Why? It originally featured Macy's store employees with animals borrowed from the Central Park Zoo. <laughs> Did you just go get the lions and the tigers? <laughs> That's what I'm thinking. Come here. Come here, Rufus. Let's go. Let's go. In 1928, the animals were replaced with giant balloons like Felix the Cat. I think I'd rather see the zoo animals. Like, I might just, actually watch that because that might be interesting. Like, what's going to happen? You know, not even put them in cages, but put them on like gentle leash leaders. Leader. Yeah. They'd be like, well, you know, if he pulls a little too hard, that Bengal tiger might get loose. And then we got us a whole ratings bonanza. The problem with those giant balloons is that they didn't have a plan to deflate them. So after the parade, they would just let them go. Well, bye. I mean, like. Those humongous things? Yes, back in the day, they just let them go. Wow. I wonder how many people died because of accidents. We need to look that up and find out if there's like ghosts involved with the. I don't think anyone was killed, but there are some injuries coming here. Of course, there's injuries. Look at these things. Before 1997, there were no size regulations on these giant balloons. Oh, that's a big old pink panther. In 1997, the Barney balloon was ripped along its abdomen due to strong winds. While the Pink Panther had to be stabbed by police in order to be stabilized. Like, how dramatic for the kids. I mean, the kids are watching. It's just sort of kids are screaming and crying. It was I would like actually. This is not what would happen if I went. I would basically be standing around either a group of teenage boys or a bunch of people chewing gum and or a combination. Yeah. The worst event that occurred was when the cat in the hat struck a lamppost at 72nd Street and crumbled to the ground. In response to these calamities, like I think it injured people and knocked the lamppost over. Yeah, sounds like something he'd do. (laughs) He's shady, that cat in the hat. So this caused the organizers to institute size regulations and required that all balloons be no larger than 70 feet high, 78 feet long, and 40 feet wide. That's a good thing I know somebody that's an expert in balloon law. Yeah, you do now. So don't try to make a balloon bigger than 70 feet. Is that balloon 79 feet long? Because if it is, people are going to die. Think about like their tape measure. That'd be a lot of tape measures to measure (laughs) 78 feet. I didn't know this, but in 1997, MTV guest reporters Beavis and Butthead with host Kurt Loder, provided their usual style of commentary on aspects of the parade. This just doesn't seem like a family-friendly... How did they get that approved? I don't know. How did I miss that? I know. Like, how did we not know about that? So, the special was titled, Beavis and Butthead Do Thanksgiving. And this included a balloon of Beavis and Butthead spectating from their couch. See, I can see the pitch for this in like some <laughs> studio back room. And it's like all these people, what are we going to do this year? We got to renew interest in this. The cat in the hat almost killed everybody. We need something to bring the youth back now that they're all scared. And then this Don Draper-esque guy just walks in the door, kicks the door open. He's smoking a cigarette and he's like, <sighs> cheat death. Exactly. Throws a cigarette down, catches the wastebasket on fire. And then they say, all right, fire, fire. Beavis and Butthead. I love it. Works. 
Another popular Thanksgiving activity is going to the movies. I've never once done that. Me either. And you won't find me there, but you will find millions of people trekking out to their local theater to see the latest blockbuster. I never understood that. They do it on Christmas, too. People talk about it all the time. And I always wanted to go out and play football in the yard with my brothers and my family. And that that was Thanksgiving to me, is eating the food, going to my grandmother's house and going out in her backyard and playing football and then going home and playing video games for the balance of the day. That's Thanksgiving traditions from the 50s. So Thanksgiving is a big weekend for movie releases. As of today, the 2013 Disney animated musical Frozen is the number one Thanksgiving release of all time, pulling in $93 million. And we saw that movie and I I I didn't hate it. It's not one of the kind of movies where I'm like, I want to see it again, but it didn't. Yeah, I enjoyed it, though. It we didn't took the kids. Me or anything. Yeah. <laughs> we actually went to the theater and saw that. That's back before I was very anti-theater. It was uh, it was a decent uh, Disney movie. Yeah, even our boys liked it because they were young. But the movies that will be in theaters this Thanksgiving are The Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. Uh Watched the first Black Panther movie. Didn't think I'd like it. Really enjoyed it. I did too. I I went into it thinking I'm going to hate this because I don't like superhero movies to begin with. You do not. And I never heard of the Black Panther, but it was a really good movie. Yeah. Unfortunately, Chadwick Boseman passed away, so he's not in this one. But uh, I've read that this one's pretty good too, so I want to see it. Oh, you do? I do. Well, not on Thanksgiving, though. (laughs) Well, probably not for another few years if we're going at the rate at which I go watching movies. The other movies you'll find are The Fablemans. This is a Steven Spielberg movie about a kid making a movie or something. It didn't look very interesting to me, but... Sounds like Spielberg. I judge things very quickly without knowing much about them. I'm angry about it just reading the title. (laughs) Other movies are White Noise, Bones and All... She said, The Sun, Strange World, and Next Exit. If you chained all those together, you could probably make a song. I know. White noise, bones and all, she said. The Sun, Strange World, Next Exit. So none of these sound like anything I would ever sing or watch. But if anyone goes and finds out if anything's worth watching, let us know. I am and How many people out there go see movies? Tell us. Oh, I would be interested yeah, to hear that. Yeah, how many of our listeners go to the movies on Thanksgiving? I don't know, but I do know a movie coming out that I want to see. What? They are having the sequel, which is actually not the sequel, but another sequel, because they had sequels that you probably don't even know exist. I didn't to know. A Christmas Story. And it's coming out in just another day or so. It's tomorrow. And I'm excited because it's got the original cast. Yeah. And uh, we're going to watch that. We might review it sometime around Christmas. Christmas. Yeah, I can't wait for that. That's actually what I'm looking forward to. Everybody's seen that movie. So one thing that none of us will be doing on Thanksgiving is singing Jingle Bells. That's where you're wrong. (laughs) We've talked about Jingle Bells, that classic Christmas song written by James Lord Pierpont in a previous episode. Old James Lord was born here in Savannah and is even buried in Laurel Grove Cemetery. The song we all know and love was never meant to be a Christmas song, but a Thanksgiving song. Oh, you just changed my world. I know. I'm going to go out to Laurel Grove Cemetery right now and thank him. Its original title when it was penned in 1857 was One Horse Open Sleigh. Hmm. I guess Thanksgiving carols never caught on, so it was rebranded in 1859 as Jingle Bells. 
Now it's strictly reserved for Christmas. I guess maybe he might have had one of those remix artists like Dr. Dre or whoever does stuff nowadays. And he saw it. He says, man, no, I know how we could turn this into fire. <laughs> you rename this one horse open sleigh to Jingle Bells. It makes so much more sense. And then they dropped it and the rest is history. It it's is. the most famous song of all time. <laughs> is it? I don't know. <laughs> So why do we celebrate this day with turkey and football and pies and parades and movies? Well, before you tell us the true history or the origin story, let's talk about how it became a national holiday. Please let's. The first national Thanksgiving was declared by President George Washington in 1789. In his Thanksgiving proclamation... You he made a proclamation. He made a proclamation. He made a proclamation. There's these people that wanted to hear a proclamation, so he did it. He defined the day as a pious time to thank God for, amongst other things, protecting Americans and helping achieve independence. Way to go, GW. These early Thanksgiving celebrations were mostly centered in the Northeast until Abraham Lincoln proclaimed Thanksgiving a national holiday on October 3rd, 1863. And this is due in part to Sarah Hale who wrote to Lincoln for 17 years and finally convinced him to make Thanksgiving a national holiday. She's a stalker. <laughs> She's also known as the woman who wrote Mary Had a Little Lamb. Oh, the one that Stevie Ray Vaughan did? Yeah. Cool. <laughs> she was ahead of her time. She also earned the nickname Mother of Thanksgiving. I guess she felt very strongly about turkey and pie. She must have been a real good axe man, too. <laughs> you know, play some blues. So I found this one... Other little tidbit that I thought was funny. And? In 1926, President Calvin Coolidge, who was the 30th president of the United States, was given a live raccoon. Oh, I wish I could have seen his face when I that know. happened. I know. This was intended to be his Thanksgiving meal instead of a turkey. I really want now, to see his I face I want to know then. who had this bright idea. He wasn't too keen <laughs> on this. Here's a <laughs> Well, it was still alive. Oh, no. He's too cute to eat. and He's so full of rabies. Well, he wasn't too keen on the idea, so he and his wife, Grace Coolidge, decided to adopt the raccoon and name it Rebecca and keep it as a White House pet. And let it eat the trash. <laughs> that would have been so cute to see a raccoon just Rebecca, running around. get out of the trash. <laughs> During the Great Depression, Franklin Roosevelt moved Thanksgiving up one week in order to allow more time for shopping for Christmas. That's been that far back, mm -hmm. and it's that important. Mm-hmm. Well, that makes me realize that Black Friday can be every Friday. Yeah, this is uh, the start of Black Friday, I suppose. Otherwise, Thanksgiving would have fallen on November 30th, so that would have been much too close to Christmas. This move caused backlash with the public. In Atlantic City, the mayor, C.D. White, declared they would celebrate Thanksgiving twice and name the earlier date Franksgiving <laughs> instead of Thanksgiving. People don't like it when you start moving dates and changing times. I hear people still complaining about daylight savings time. So you go messing with Thanksgiving, people are going to get irate. You're going to get hurt what you're going to do, son. You're going to move Thanksgiving, and then that gives you a whole nother week for places to send you stuff. You thought you were doing political ads. <laughs> well, now you're going to get sales papers. Yeah, Black Friday ads. So it seems Thanksgiving has undergone many iterations throughout history, and now Brett is going to tell us the truth about why we made turkey crafts as children by tracing our hands on construction paper, and why a woman spent 17 years and countless amounts of stationery to ensure we spend our time with family and watch giant animal balloons float down the streets of New York on the fourth Thursday of November to enlighten us. 
children gather round. Bring your raccoons. <laughs> Bring your 78-foot-long balloons, not an inch more. We're going to discuss the true story of Thanksgiving. I was going to say Halloween because I was I just so in the mood, but <laughs> this is going to be what really went down, not what you have learned in school. If you indeed learned in school, I learned a little. So since this is our Thanksgiving episode, we want to talk more in depth about the origins or the villainous backstory, as you, if you will, for Thanksgiving And the reason for this is the more we read about it, the more we realized everything we've ever known about Thanksgiving is a dirty lie. Well, maybe not all of it, but I mean, a lot of it, a significant portion of it is. And here I was believing everything I was taught in school the one or two hours a week I paid attention. (laughs) It seems the true story of Thanksgiving is quite a bit different than what many of us have been led to believe. What I always thought was that the pilgrims came over on the Mayflower and they were greeted by Native Americans who helped them to learn how to survive the harsh winter weather by teaching them how to fish and how to make cornucopias. Then somehow turkeys were involved and there was a great feast which became known as Thanksgiving where they all got together and celebrated the mutual benefits everyone shared by being a big happy team. But it seems that this is not at all what happened. And in fact, the cornucopia is never mentioned once in any of these documents, which I find rather fascinating and horrifying at the same time. Was that always your favorite picture to color when you were a kid? Of course. I know, I love the cornucopia. color the turkey. Yeah, you want to color the cornucopia. Cornucopia. I made the apples green, you know, and I colored everything (laughs) the wrong color intentionally. So this is a rather dark story in ways And there's a lot more to it than just that little bit that you may know. So I'm going to start from the beginning. Picture it. The start of the 17th century. Southern New England was home to several Native American tribes. Along the coast were the Wampanoag, the Nauset, and the Massachusetts. I think I said that right. If I didn't, please forgive me. The population around this time of the Native Americans was around 100,000 people. They called themselves the people of the first light and mostly spoke in the Algonquian language. They called their home the Dawn Land. Their leaders were known as sachems, and it seems they had already been trading and interacting with Europeans well over a century before the pilgrims even showed up in their new world. So it seems everything was going relatively well. That was until the Europeans decided to start kidnapping locals to sell into the slave trade. Mm, That's where it starts getting dark. The reason Europeans hadn't already colonized their new world was because of the sheer number of Native Americans already living on the land. So picture it like the coast, because it's on the coast, and they're coming over the ocean. Everywhere a ship would hit, you know, there are people living there. So it's a pretty populous region. They did enjoy coming and trading, and then they would return back to the lands from whence they came. But the population was about to be devastated. In 1616, these traders brought with them more than just their goods and wares. They also brought with them disease. Dun, dun, dun. It's, yeah. 
what I read was that these diseases actually originated from what they believe with livestock animals. And the Europeans had been dealing with livestock for many, many, many years. So they had developed like an immunity to these diseases that you could get. Mm-hmm. I can only assume mad cow disease. I don't know. I mean, it feels like I don't know if you get an immunity flu. to that. I don't know. I'm just making these up. These are not necessarily what happened. But what we do know is that the Native Americans didn't have livestock creatures like they had in Europe. So they hadn't had time to build up any kind of immunity to the diseases that were brought over because of the contact people had had. So after the Europeans brought the diseases with them, I guess one of them caught and it transferred mm-hmm. over. Like an epidemic. Yeah. Once this happened, it in three years, 90% of the population wow. was wiped out. At least 10,000. That is 10,000? Yeah, at least 10,000. I said it leaves 10,000. Possibly even 90,000. That's how many would have been. Oh, oh my gosh, you and your mouth. I couldn't hear you. It's because of the change of settings. So the Wampanoag were also struck very hard by the disease. And this is, I'm going to show a picture of where the territories were laid out. You can see where the New Plymouth people, who are the pilgrims that we know of, originally landed in the Wampanoag territory. Their head sachem, Massasoit, realized that due to the loss of their people from this sickness and disease and all of this death, it caused their western border to be susceptible to attacks from their enemy, the neighboring Narangonson. Which I'm trying to make sure I say it right. If I didn't, please forgive me. To make matters worse, their enemy didn't seem to be hit by the diseases that were brought by the westerners So they still had quite a bit of manpower, enough to be a real threat to the Wampanoag. So Massasoit knew that he had to do something in order to protect his people. Thus, this is where the pilgrims enter the scene. Not dressed in buckles? Apparently not, and I'm still not good with that. Where did that even come from? I don't know. I don't know where a lot of these myths we have came from. And that's something I'm going to delve into. I went into a rabbit hole on this one. (laughs) Starts right now. King James of England saw the continued rise of the Puritans, and he sure didn't like it. James was a strong Protestant. He was actually James VI when he ruled as King of Scotland and became James I under the union of the Scottish and English crowns on March 24, 1603. This was the same James that we talked about in the witches. Apparently, he was a remix because his title, his number changed. I don't know how royalty works at all. <laughs> he it, was all over the place, and he was persecuting no witches. Me. He was doing it, doing, that doing stuff it all. back and forth. He was covering all the bases. He was the son of Mary, Queen of Scots, and great great-grandson of Henry VII, who was King of England and Lord of Ireland, which somehow worked out that he was a potential successor to all three thrones. Oh, wow. He had a trifecta going. He did. This is sounding a whole lot. I hope this doesn't go House of the Dragon here in a minute. Oh, it might. It might. James was raised in Scotland under the influence of strict Calvinist tutors who tried to instill in him a commitment to the Protestant cause in Scotland. When he became the king of both Scotland and England, he wanted to keep the Church of England under his rule and the power of the episcopacy. 
Wow, that's a tongue twister. You should have said that on our fact show. Yeah, that's a hard word. He had strong beliefs about the divine right of kings, so much so that he even wrote a book about it. And this is one of the main reasons he didn't like the Puritan movement, as they held Presbyterian views of church government, which included elders and that they weren't ruled like by king. Mm -hmm. He knew the Puritans were important to strengthen the Protestant establishment in England, so as long as they were willing to play ball with him, he helped many Puritan pastors and academics as long as they consented to work with the Anglican bishops. One of the many things that they achieved under his reign working together is the authorized version of the Bible, or what we call the King James Bible today. 1611. 1611. Yeah. They actually had a few revisions. Yes, I'm I'm aware of it. It used to be part of the passwords I used back in the day. Some of the Puritans broke off and went to Holland in 1604. These would become the Pilgrims. At the time, they were not known as Pilgrims. They were known as Separatists. They strongly disagreed with the way James interfered with the church and their worship. Plus, James hated them. Probably suspected them of being witches. Probably. So they fled for religious freedom. After a time, when they were in Holland, they decided, due to the way culture was going, they wanted to have a land and a place to have a culture of their own. So they sought to go to the New World. They sought a patent from King James in order to go there. Their plan was to fish and use the profits to pay off their debts to investors to fund their relocation. So he allowed them to go. And on September 6th, 1620, the Mayflower left Plymouth, England on its voyage to America. So they landed in Plymouth or they just named it Plymouth when they got there? They named it New Plymouth. Oh, and it wasn't a rock. We'll get to that. (laughs) Funny enough, even though the King James Bible was available to them at the time, as it was first published in 1611, as Crystal said earlier... (laughs) They preferred the Geneva translation of the Bible, which was what many of the early reformers used. I actually have a copy of that version of the you Bible, do. among many others. It's hard to get, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's, it's hard to get the one I got. I mean, you the, the text is open; you can go get it. But to get a leather bound yeah. copy is a little bit hard. Probably the only thing that I have in common with the Pilgrims. Well, you wear buckles sometimes. Yeah, I do. <laughs> Every <laughs> once in a while, one of them big hats. A few of those. The ship carried 102 passengers, 74 male and 28 female. And of these, 49 were from the separatist congregation. They called themselves the saints. Hmm. And 53. Presumptuous. It is quite presumptuous. And 53 were called strangers. And that consisted of servants and recruits from one of the merchants that went on the ship with them, Thomas Watson, who was from London. It took them two months to get to Cape Cod, and they sent out a crew of 16 men ashore when they got there to scope out the land. Yeah, you go see if you get killed by any wild animals. <laughs> we just need you 16 guys to go out there. Here you go. Take your buckle hat with you. It's <laughs> It'll be fun. international sign. Maybe they of took it off and used it as like a weapon. Could have. Mm-hmm. Whip it off. Unfortunately for them, if you remember what I said, their plan was to go to the New World and to fish and sell the fish to make money to pay for their move. This sounds like an idea you would have. It turns out 
They didn't know how it, to fish. That's what I figured. You'd have like, oh, we could go do this. And then like, yeah. do you know how to do that? No. no. Well, watch well, a YouTube you'll video. You'll figure it out on the fly. Watch a YouTube video. And to make matters worse, their provisions were running very low. So they were in a desperate situation. And it turns out, on top of not being able to fish, these people were not survivalists. I have a feeling that men planned this out and not the women. Oh, I feel sure about that. The women that. are probably like, are you sure about this? Yeah. Oh, honey, it'll be fine. Like, I don't think they anticipated how harsh no. the northeastern United States actually is yeah. weather-wise. I would have been out. They resorted to robbing graves homes and storage pits in order to keep everyone from starving to death mm. on december 12th they finally reached new plymouth but the story about them landing on plymouth rock is just that a story there are no records to indicate any special or unique rock was actually where this ship landed i didn't know that it's a little bit sad have you ever seen plymouth rock it's the the rock with mm-hmm. the date on it it's not very impressive apparently yeah. Yeah, it's not very big. I'm not sure when this was added to the story, but I guess it's just a bit of interesting folklore that maybe someone uh, added somewhere down the line and it just stuck because, you know, it seems to be the case for a lot of the traditional aspects of the story. Construction of their village, as it were, began in January. It was a very difficult time because by the winter, 44 settlers... Nearly half that came over on the Mayflower had died from the unforgiving New World from things like lack of shelter, the effects from living on the Mayflower for so long, and your personal favorite, scurvy. I love it. Eat some lemons. Eat your water. Why don't you just eat lemons? (laughs) You don't have a rich uncle? Get one. I mean, what's a big deal? Then in March, a man walked into town by the name of Samoset. He was a Native American, and I'm sure he freaked them out because when he walked in, he greeted them all in fluent English. He informed them that they were building their town on the remains of Pawtuxet, which is one of the places that happened to be wiped out by the disease that I told you about earlier. This area belonged to the Wampanoag, and it seems that their chief, Massasoit, wanted to see what was going on with these new settlers. The pilgrims saw an opportunity to trade, so several days later, Samoset returned with furs and companions. One of those people was known as Tisquantum, who you likely know by his stage name, Squanto. That's how I knew him. They advised the pilgrims in person that Massasoit had arrived. So he basically sent them out as an envoy, it sounds like. So that was like an entourage. Yeah, he's like, he's rolling up. He's got, you know, the the nice wheels coming up on them horses and such. I guess that's how they rolled back then. I don't (laughs) know. Massasoit did not trust these settlers because he had learned his lesson from previous encounters with Europeans. One of the settlers, Edward Winslow, agreed to be a hostage to prove the peaceful intentions from the pilgrims. This act of trust on the part of the pilgrims calmed Massasoit's fears So he came into the village and was greeted by John Carver, the settler's governor. Then they created a peace treaty, which was to ensure mutual protection if either party were ever attacked by enemies. Sort of a callback. Random, you know, hey, 
if just by a chance, you know, some enemies start attacking, like maybe from our Western border and such, you know, you're here for us, right? Well, how, what did you say? There were 44 people left? We got three people to use as decoys. That's all we got it's left. It's like, how, are they trained in any way to Apparently, defend themselves? Apparently, the only thing they were trained in was coming over here and thinking it was going to be easy and to I make a lot of money. I think that I read that there were only four women left. There might have been. It could, uh, that's crazy. Yeah. I don't have that in my notes, but yeah, I'm not I did read that. At. There were four women le- that survived, I believe. From this point forward, Squanto became invaluable to the settlers as he taught them how to grow crops and provided services as an interpreter. Tell me it was like the uh, Thanksgiving cartoon, the Peanuts one. The Charlie Brown one. Yeah, where they're like he cuts off a fish head and puts it in with the corn and that's what makes the corn grow. Is that how it works? That's what you want me to tell you? Mm-hmm. That's exactly what happened. That's how it happened. That is exactly everything about that was accurate, except for the... I always love that part. Except for like the whole rest of it. <laughs> okay. Did you know that the... Peanuts gang were not actually on board the Mayflower. Really? They weren't. That was actually just an animated special. Turns out that everything's lying to us. Everything in my life is a lie. But let me see if you want to ask this question. How did Squanto learn English? Uh, I'd say he was kidnapped. That's a pretty good guess right there, because seven years before the pilgrims arrived in 1614, one of those groups of Europeans that Massasoit did not trust had kidnapped him from Pawtuxet and shipped him to Spain with the intention of him being sold into slavery. However, he ended up in a home in England where a merchant taught him how to speak English and even arranged for him to return to his home at Pawtuxet in 1619. But when he got home, he returned to desolation, as Pawtuxet was one of the locations that was wiped out by disease. Then Massasoit took him in, as his services in speaking English would be very helpful for him as well, allowing him to communicate with Europeans. Massasoit sent one of his warriors, Hobomok, with Squanto to live with the settlers, but mostly so that he could keep an eye on Squanto to make sure everything's kosher. Yeah, but how can he tell if he can't speak the language? I believe he could probably figure out what's going on by the context Context of the body language. Around October of 1621, the settlers had a bountiful harvest and decided to have a feast to celebrate because... Of the help from Squanto and others, they were able to be very successful. It's those fish heads, I know it. It had to be. And this is where we get to the part that sounds almost the most like what you learned in school. Massasoit and 90 warriors showed up to a party that the pilgrims were having, a celebratory feast to celebrate their good fortune in the land. And they brought five deer with them because that's just how you roll. So they just showed up, or did they invite them? I believe they were invited. Okay. But if they bring five deer with them, I mean, come on, you can go to any party. <laughs> you bring five deer with you, you can go anywhere. Did they bring a raccoon, It's though? literally, you can walk in any club in Savannah and just have, like, five deer. And they're like, oh, no, what's up? Come on in. You get to go to the front of the line. Exactly. And then you just drop a dead deer off one to the club. I've never done it, but I've heard it works. The Wampanoag... And the settlers spent three days feasting and basically having a big old Thanksgiving time. 
Although that's not what the pilgrims would have called an event like this, because to them, Thanksgiving was a day that would be set aside for prayer and fasting. So where's the turkey in this situation? There is no turkey in this story. Where did we get that? That's probably also a fabrication. That's not my historical accuracy speaking. That's just my guess and estimation. They had no turkey at the first Thanksgiving. they had deer. Okay. They had deer and they probably had pumpkins and maybe a cornucopia. They didn't say they didn't. What about gelatinous cranberries? I hope so. If they didn't, then why even bother? But here's where things get a little convoluted. Remember Squanto? Mm Mm-hmm. You know, the super helpful Squanto that saved the settlers and helped his people as well with all his skills. Well, it turns out that good old Squanto had sort of gone mad with power. As he was the only English speaker of his people, it gave him considerable perceived leverage. And so much so that it went right to his head and he begun to formulate a plot to overthrow Massasoit. I didn't see that coming. You sure didn't. He started to tell his people that he had power over the settlers, and he could command them to make war or to remain at peace, and they would do whatever he said for reasons, I suppose. And this is where Hobomont comes in. He was suspicious of Squanto. Yeah, he'd been keeping an eye on him. Yeah, he knew something was going down, and he seemed to know that something was up. So he warned Governor Bradford of Squanto's plot in 1622. So then they all looked into it, and it turns out the jig was up for Squanto. They don't tell you this in school. You think he was just on the up and up. You think everybody's a good guy. Turns out most people are not really that good. (laughs) Massasoit was informed of his attempted coup and, as you would expect, demanded Squanto's immediate execution. He came to Governor Bradford demanding for him to release Squanto to him so they could take care of business. How did they execute their prisoners in Native American culture, I wonder? I don't know. I would imagine it was something extremely graphic, probably decapitation if I was just guessing. But that's a complete total guess. Bradford, however, realizing Squanto's value to them, flatly refused Massasoit's request. However, this was a clear violation of the peace treaty that the settlers had signed with the Wampanoag. So did he like pull it out and he's oh, like yeah. highlighting? Oh, yeah. He's like, yeah, he's like, this like is exactly what you said. You know, a flow chart, probably had an easel. Oh, do you have like one of those infographic? An, an infographic. infographic. He's like, we got a PowerPoint we want to show you. I'm going to read every <laughs> slide word for word. <laughs> and this treaty clearly spelled out that due to the harm that Squanto had done to his people, he was to be punished by his people. Was this part like written in crayon after the fact? He on just wrote this thing. <laughs> Literally on a napkin. And it said Squanto it stap- specifically. stapled on. <laughs> I don't remember seeing that when I signed it, but hey, it's on here. It's, it's legit. Re- it's a signed document. It's a signed document. document. <laughs> so I wonder if Squanto realized this is how things might go down if his plot was found out. I guess he was just banking on the English protecting him maybe he probably thought that he was so valuable that they weren't going to let him go seems like he's a pretty smart guy yeah but what he didn't take into account is that bradford when confronted with the treaty that he had signed 
had a change of heart and decided to allow Massasoit to take Squanto for his well-deserved the punishment. The document must have been notarized. Yeah, that, uh, that's the only explanation. You can't deny you a, can't, a notarized you can't, document. You know, argue with that. Mm-hmm. It's like a done deal. Mm-hmm. But much like a movie, just as this was about to happen, an unidentified ship appeared on the horizon. And this freaked out Bradford, so he delayed the situation, thinking, you know, I need to figure out what's happening here. I don't might need someone to translate, just in case we don't know what's going on here. And his delay took so long that Massasoit got frustrated, and he and his people left and went back to their home without Squanto. It turns out that the ship that they saw was actually an English ship carrying 60 men and was heading to where around Boston is located today. Were they wearing red socks? I don't think so. Yeah. What about? Buckles. <laughs> what about buckles? I don't think they brought the baseball with them, Crystal. Oh, darn. And it turns out that these particular settlers were not good men. When they arrived, they were not peaceful like the pilgrims. They immediately set about abusing the locals. <laughs> this caused the locals to regret their peaceful ways. And they decided the only solution to this problem would be to kill the colonists. Including the pilgrims? Unclear, but Uh, I think they're just referring to this group that that was causing the harm. Because they had that treaty still with them. Yeah, they still had the treaty. Somehow, the New Plymouth pilgrims were warned of the Wampanoag's plan to kill the New Englishmen, so they set out to try to save their fellow countrymen. And it seems that they were successful And peace reigned, but only for a little while. The floodgates had opened. Many more settlers started arriving in the New World, and in short order, they outnumbered the natives. The Pilgrim's Treaty with Massasoit did last until his death from around 1621 to 1660. But this only applied to the New Plymouth Pilgrims. The new settlers either didn't know about the treaty or didn't care about the treaty and saw no reason to honor it. These new Puritans were fanatical in their beliefs, and to them, the Native Americans were considered the other, godless savages. The new Puritans' only solution is to convert the Native Americans to their beliefs, eliminate their culture, and convert them to Christianity forcibly or exterminate them. Hmm. And all of this is not a biblical principle, as this is not something Jesus ever taught. So this is man twisting the the word from the Bible into their Persecuting own understanding. They don't agree with. Yes. And even if things are wrong, they think it's their divine right to destroy. Yeah. And that's just, you know, power, abuse of power, mm-hmm. I guess. And this was the beginning of the end for the world as the Native Americans knew it. It seems like the first Thanksgiving feast was the only one that was anything like what we learned about in school. The new settlers were all about the capitalist venture. Much money was to be made in the new world, and they easily outnumbered the Native Americans. Unfortunately, This wasn't a recipe for coexistence, and so they were wiped off their lands to make room for the newcomers. Obviously, 
This is an abbreviated version of this story, and it's much darker than I ever thought it would be. So basically, it sums up like this. If everyone wasn't so consumed with greed and followed the principles of the Bible they claimed to follow and actually loved each other like they're told to do, I think this story would have turned out much differently. But alas, that is not how history played out. Yeah, maybe if the other settlers were more like the original ones from New Plymouth. Yes, it they could have, have been. made some alliances with the Native Americans. Well, perhaps a, a lot of these people that came over see the main reason the pilgrims came was from what I've read and, and I believe it based on this was for religious, religious freedom. freedom. But yet you want to take away other people's. Well, this wasn't them. <laughs> the people, the, the more people that came, this is yeah, but- the way it happened. So I think the original pilgrims and I might be reading into this, but I think they were far more about uh, being able to worship in the way they wanted. Mm-hmm. Whereas I think as the more and more people came over, then they may be skewed and changed their perception mm-hmm. of the peoples that were already there and caused them to go to extremes because who's going to stop them? Yeah, I guess that's true. You know, it might not have started out that way. As no, how they I begin. see why they didn't tell little children this, because it's kind of horrifying. It is. Yeah. It's horrifying. It's horrible how humankind treats each other, it basically. Is. But we have all learned something here today. I learned that there were no raccoons in the original story of Thanksgiving. Or turkeys. And there's a lot more darkness involved. Yeah. So I think I'm ready for some turkey in a nap. Yeah, me too. But after we insert graphic here, what What we're we're watching. watching. So this week, we're going to continue our mini series on the Netflix special, Guillermo del Toro's Cabinet of Curiosities. And this will take us to episodes number five and number six. And episode number five was called Pickman's Model. The synopsis of this episode is art student Will meets introvert Richard, whose terrifying works of art begin to have a deeply disturbing effect on Will's sense of reality. And then episode six is called Dreams in the Witch House. Years after his twin sister's death, a researcher ventures into a dark, mysterious realm with the aid of a special drug determined to bring her back. So uh, these episodes, both of these I like pretty well. The one about the witch was fairly interesting. That one starred um, the guy from Harry Potter. Yeah, Ronald Weasley or something like that, which I don't remember which one of us caught that right away. I thought I told you. I was like, hey, that's a kid from Harry Potter. He didn't get any better. He looks familiar, but... um He's all grown up, obviously. Yeah, yeah, he's definitely an adult now. <laughs> yeah, so this one was really disturbing, the ending. Did you see it coming? I I figured it out before right, they revealed it. as it's it. about to happen? No, I, I knew things. As soon as the people in question saw the thing they saw, I knew it was going to end bad. Yeah, this one was really, like, it started out when they were in college, and it fast-forwards in, like, 15 years or so. yeah. Till they reunite and then things start happening again. He thought he's got away from all this, but then it comes back and it had a really interesting 
twisted ending. It was a disturbing ending. I will say that one. It's it's an interesting ending, but it's really disturbing. Yeah. And the sixth episode, The Dream in the Witch House, when the boy, he grows up, his sister dies when they're little children and she says she's not ready to die. And so he spends his whole life looking for her instead of pursuing his career. He was a very talented musician. Yeah. And instead of doing that, he just spends all of his time and money trying to get her back. And he finally discovers a way to reach her. Yes. And the ending, because like the very beginning, this the narrator says, and I promise a happy ending. And so when it gets to the end... It does have a happy ending, but not for who you think. It's really interesting. I've never seen that kind of twist. Yes. And after we saw the ending, we started talking about the whole episode and aspects of it. And we're like, if we had been paying attention from the beginning yeah. of the episode, then you would have picked up on something that you didn't notice until the end. And you're like, oh, that's what happened. Yeah, at the they beginning did it on of the purpose, episode. and it, it's really an interesting ending, a take on an ending. I like it. But you it. catch it as soon as it happens at the end. Mm-hmm. You're like, oh, so that's why the first part of the show did this. Yeah, because I was like, wait a second, where's this happy ending coming? And then it comes, and you're like, oh, but there was a happy ending. There was. There was a happy ending. There was. So yeah. So, so. Crystal, on these episodes, I assume you like the fifth one because it was horrifying and graphic. Mm-hmm. What? On our scale of arbitrarily chosen 1 to 12 dog treats, would you give each of these episodes? I'd give episode 5 a 9 uh, because I really, it was kind of boring at one point. It did drag a little. It dragged just a little, but I did, it did have a payoff. The ending did have a, a good ending, if you like crappy endings for if people. you like graphically yeah. disturbing endings then yeah yeah so it did have an ending and so i really like that one but i liked number six better because of the twist ending that oh. i didn't see coming well, they both had twist endings in a way it did but i really was not like the one the fifth one you kind of were like oh you know what's about to happen Oh, yeah. But yeah. then the sixth Even one, you don't. Even people that yeah. didn't know what's happening. Because, like, they make like, you think. Oh. On the sixth one, they make you think that, that it's going to end one way. Up to the very end. Up to the very end. end. And, then and then they, they flip twist it on, it on you. On you and yeah. you're like, I didn't see that coming. Yeah, so I thought that was really clever. So I'd give number six a 10 out of 12. Yeah, that's a good one because of the ending, Yeah, I think. Uh, on episode five, I would give it, I'm probably going to give it a nine. Because as far as a horror tale is concerned, it's a really good horror story mm-hmm. with a good twist ending. Not as much of a twist as the the sixth episode, but still a twist. And you will you'll get to a point where you will see what's coming. Mm-hmm. So, and you're like, oh no, oh no, yeah. and then it, the, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then the sixth episode did have the twist ending, and I thought think the callback to the previous part of the episode was really cool the way they did it. So on episode number five, I gave it a nine Mm -hmm. and episode number six, I'm probably going to give it, I'd say an eight. Oh, you liked it one less. I liked it less than the one with the R overall as a whole story because there were, there were parts that drug on it, but it's like as a whole cohesive story, it was like, okay, that was a pretty good horror story. Yeah. It was very H.P. Lovecraft, mm-hmm. put it that way. And that's sort of what these shows are based off of. Mm-hmm. 
So that's going to bring us to the portion of our show that we like to call Layla and Coffee and Oscar Talk. Well, I didn't put Oscar in there because we haven't seen him. We haven't seen him. Might have ate him. Now, at the beginning of when we started recording, we heard them go crazy. That might have been him leaving that video, that picture you got of him walking down the stairs. Maybe that was him just. That was the last time I saw him. Maybe that's just him saying it's time for me to move on to better pastures. But the cat food was eaten, so I don't know if he ate it or if the cat came back. I don't know. Well, hopefully we'll see Oscar again soon. I hope so. So what have the girls been doing? Well, we didn't have any near-death experiences this week. It's unique, then. Despite the fact that Layla got out of her harness on our walk the other night. Good it was her and not coffee. I know. Coffee would have been gone. Layla just yeah, sat peace, there. Peace, y'all. I'm out. Yeah, coffee. Uh, Layla just stood there and sniffed something on the ground. Yeah, for probably a cat turd. Ugh. I did go get them some new toys. We had been buying the Bark Box, but that lasts about 20 seconds. Yeah, approximately. Yeah, because yeah, they tear things up. They're power chewers. And so I've just started going to Goodwill and getting them stuffed animals. And that's been quite fun for them and they quite a mess for that. me. Yeah. Because you go every time you get your nails done, and yeah. that's once every two weeks. So they get a new toy every two weeks now. Yeah, and it only costs 99 cents each, so I'm saving money. they're going to make a mess anyway. Yeah, they're going to make a mess, but that, they're really enjoying oh, their Oh, they new. love toys. And what they do is like, we give them one specific to each of them, and then they run upstairs or wherever they're going with it, and they play with it for a few minutes, and they get tired. And then one of them waits for the other one to move, and when they do, they go get it from them. Yeah. Like Layla had, Layla had both of them last night. She had one laying in front of her and she had her head on the other one. So Just she, in case. Yeah. So she was guarding both of them. And we got the new Christmas tree today. Yeah. Once you get it fully decorated, we should put some pictures up. Yeah. Well, you're going to show a picture of it just as white so they can see that it's. This just so they can see how you white. destroyed my tradition. Yeah. You, you like it. You, you say you like it. me. Yeah. You say you like it. You subjugated but me. But the girls are quite fond of it. Coffee like to sniff it, so we'll see. Hopefully, they don't attack it and knock it down when one of their tussles. Hope not. <laughs> so you can find us online at scarysavannahandbeyond.com. You can find us on all social media platforms using the username at Scary Savannah. If you would please go and leave us a five-star rating and review on your podcast player app of choice, whatever that may be. Most of them allow you to do that. We really would appreciate any feedback we can get, and that helps us to get more visibility out there. And plus, we like to see the kind words people have to say about us. It makes us feel so happy. And like we have a purpose in this world of darkness that I found out after reading the Thanksgiving story. And I'm just feeling kind of bad about it. And the only thing that's consoled me at this moment is thinking about like wild zoo animals and parades. That would be so much cooler than balloons. It would be so much cooler than balloons. Unless the balloons were 79 feet long instead of 78, which makes them entirely more dangerous. Tybee has a parade for everything. Mm. I think we could could get away with doing a parade of wild animals here. We could. And it wouldn't even have to be a parade. It could literally just be any given day. It'd be like a Wednesday at 3 p.m. We're parading animals down the main I mean, like the other day, they had an impromptu golf cart parade, and you could just slap some zoo animals on there, <laughs> just, and you got yourself a thing. Just slap an elephant on the street, get yourself tigers and a hippo. Yeah, I think we should start this. One or two lost civilians. Is I there mean, a zoo hmm, close by? Uh, Columbia. Huh, that's not that that's far. That's kind of a drive. Yeah, it's not that far. Let's do it. I think we could do it. You can find merch at our store as well, which is on our website at the tab at the top. Please go there, check it out. We got cool shirts. 
We got cool hats. We got merchandise with cryptids on them because that's cool. Like the Slide Rock Bolter, which is a shirt Crystal got a lot of compliments on from somebody at a bank, which obviously means something. So go get yourself some of that. Also, she is in very dire need of coffee. And as my it turns cup is out, empty. Her cup is practically empty. And the only way you can help is by buying her coffee. So go to our website and click on the little icon on the bottom left and buy our coffee. Or you can click the tab up top and go to the buy a coffee website that we have. And it's got more info on it on other things you can do to help us out financially. If you see fit to do so, we appreciate any support you can give us. And also, if you're listening to us online only, please make sure to go check us out on YouTube because we are a video podcast and you can see all kinds of graphics and things of that nature on our YouTube channel. All you got to do is go to YouTube, look for Scary Savannah. And the last thing I would like to ask is we do have a Patreon and we release new exclusive episodes weekly. Our most recent one, we started a new series called Did You Know? Yeah, so I'm telling Brett some random facts and he's reacting to it. And that's pretty fun. That should be available now. It is it is out now. So And also, we're going to do some updates on some previous episodes. Yes. We just, we just released one about uh, the bodies of Lake Mead. Yes. So if you want to update on that, join our Patreon. Yes. We're not just doing cryptids now. We're still going to do our cryptid series, yeah. but we're, we're planning on and we're actively working on releasing more than just the cryptids content. Yeah. We're going to have things like updates on stories that we've already covered, not necessarily news updates, but maybe we didn't go into a huge amount of detail on previous things and we just didn't have the time. So we'll expound upon that. Or if there are breaking updates mm-hmm. that involve the stories, we'll, we'll update it there. And there's so much more that we're working on that's going to come out now that Crystal's in her off season for a little while, at least. And be on the lookout for that at patreon.com forward slash scary Savannah for as little as $3 a month or more. If you want to do different tier levels, you can get that exclusive content. And we would love to have you on board. So that just leaves us with the portion of the show where you say words. Join us next time in Savannah, where the ghosts and the good times live on. But do you know who don't? Who? Probably that old raccoon that tried to That's roll up in the I house. That's who I was thinking. You think that old raccoon? Oh, the second they walked out, I was like, yeah, we're going to keep this raccoon as a pet forever. And <laughs> he went to porridge just as soon as oh, they walked no. out the door. I'm feeling kind of bad about that. Let's go get some raccoon soup. You want? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>